RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. You might remember back in April, we had Dr. David Bell, former WHO scientist and uh, medical officer at the World Health Organization Program Head for Malaria and Other Diseases at the Foundation for Innovative New Diagnostics in Geneva, Switzerland, and Director of Global Health Technologies at Intellectual Ventures Global Good Fund. Dr. Bell, welcome back to Reality Check Radio. It's nice to have you again. Yeah, thanks, Paul. It's good to be back. It was a really interesting chat last time. A lot of people were interested in what you had to say, and we got a lot of feedback from it. I have a feeling we'll, we'll probably do the same here again. And we're here to get your views and to, to discuss this concept called One Health, which sounds kind of warm and fuzzy. We're all in it together. So how do you want to lead off on One Health? What What is it? What is the aim of it? What What should we know? Well, yeah, um, it, it's sensible and it's also um, a sort of tool they're using to sort of, well, essentially subjugate democracy, I think. So the, you know, the, the concept of One Health or health in general, um, you know, health is affected by a whole lot of different factors. Um, for, you know, diseases and animals can affect humans, the environment can affect your health, etc. And the, the concept of One Health originally was particularly around animal diseases. And if you have healthy animals, you have better nutrition and you don't get, you know, bovine tea, tuberculosis or something from your cows. So if you look after more than just humans in terms of health, then the health of humans will be better. So that's common sense. And you know, looking after the environment, not polluting your rivers is common sense for looking after health. So that's pretty straightforward, and that's probably been the case since, you know, for 100,000 years of human existence. We know not to, you know, poo in the river um, that we're drinking Pre- from. So yeah, pretty it's pretty obvious, obvious. yeah. So it, it's sort of been subverted like a lot of public health concepts and recently. And this idea has come in that... Because almost everything in society, you know, from stress or whatever, or in the environment can affect health, therefore it should be the purview of the public health community, i.e. the WHO and those who are using the WHO for their purposes. And so, so you, can, you can therefore justify almost anything in any action in society or any action in the environment as necessary for human health. And if you scare people enough that it's an existential threat to their health, then they're likely to agree to you doing it. So we're seeing that, you know, with the sort of hysteria around changing climate, um, you know, with, with um, you know, obviously with the surveillance of viral variants, etc., and the idea that WHO through the, the treaty that they're working on, the amendments to the international health regulations, will be able to declare anything almost a threat and then bring in this emergency sort of regime that they're pushing to have or others are pushing for them to have around um, health emergencies. And the UN is pushing this very hard as well. The, 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 other, the other part of this One Health, and this was laid out in the Lancet um, start of this year in a series, Lancet's a medical journal, in a series of articles, is that humans are 
one a poison to the environment and we by our existence essentially and by too a, many of us being a pathogen, alive, a pathogen, a pathogen exactly yeah. a pathogen of the world and so we're harming the environment we need to be curtailed and secondly as the lancet said um, in their words all you know all life is of equal value and therefore you know if it's a secretary Wait on, whoever, whoever thought that up? Whoever well, made that rule? Pretty interesting, isn't it? But it, it, that's what they write. So the idea is that, you know, there are too many humans, therefore, you know, wildebeest are having a struggle with their existence or, you know, some other animal that's a bit rarer, white rhinoceros, and therefore we should curtail humans in order to protect other other lives. And they don't say species, they say alive. So, you know, your daughter is sick or a rat is sick. And, you know, if which one do you work on first in your triage? So it's, it's, a, it's an idea that humans essentially, that there's nothing special with humans, that we're just another biological entity on the planet and we need to adjust the way we work so that we don't, push out any other biological entity. So I think most people don't want to see species go extinct. Most people like the natural environment. They believe in keeping a clean, you know, a healthy world and a good environment. They want to sit in the wilderness, et cetera. But they don't want to do that at the cost of their life or the life of their children. But they want to find a balance. And, you know, humans are part of, we're part of nature. We're not a pathogen. We're actually just a part of nature that is naturally here. And, um, you know, evolution has brought the world to where we are. We happen to be the dominant species. It is what it is, um, right? It, it is, is what it is, and it's not something to be ashamed of. It's uh, it, we, we have an opportunity to look after the rest of the world, but that doesn't mean harming each other in the process. Well, white rhinos aren't landing on the moon, are they? <laughs> you know. Well, they're not, and we don't want to see white rhinos disappear. No. but. But you can do that. Um, without, but I, I guess what I'm, I'm yeah. drawing attention to is this, is this kind of loathing that comes through, this self-loathing. Um, exactly. despite it's, not self, it's not self-loathing. It, it's a loathing of perhaps other humans. Oh, so not but yourself. This, these people aren't loathing well, themselves. These people are flying around in private jets while they talk about climate change. I mean, they're not serious about this when it comes to themselves or their families, but... They're serious when it comes to humans overall. So connecting everything together, that, that's next level then, isn't it? Because any combination of any connectivity in nature can be used to make an argument for us being a problem. It can. if you Yeah, if you want to see us as a problem and not an integral part of nature and the natural environment, then yes, it is. Okay. So, so, and so, so it, it, if you are then bringing in a regime where public health is the primary concern of humans and an international organisation or organisations should have the ability to impose uh, rules on people in order to protect public health, then this opens it up to, you know, almost anything really, which I... Probably, presumably is the intent. Has anything actually changed to make this 
or, or to generate a need for this if we're saying that there were good reasons or that there that, you know it was all positive and, and people were you know trying to do the best they could to you know to do what is right uh, I mean, as you've mentioned, hundred thousand years or whatever of evolving mm. to this point, there've been all sorts of challenges along the way. They've all been survived, and they've kind of made us stronger, I suppose, in that evolutionary process. Nothing is actually no no switches flicked. This sounds like it's kind of out of thin air. Well, yes, yeah, the interesting thing, isn't it? Yeah, but if you look in the media at the moment, it's everywhere that. Yeah, I've just got a quote here from the the United Nations uh, Emergency Response. Um, they put this out in 2021. It's called Our Common Agenda. It's a big document about you know the way forward. And they say you know we're facing. So this is 2021 during the COVID thing. We're facing humanity faces a stark and urgent choice: a breakdown or a breakthrough. And then they mention coronavirus. They mention floods, fires, extreme heat. And that which they say threaten our very existence. You know, the, 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 this is, they're seriously saying this. They're putting it in glossy documents. The, the idea that, and a lot of people think are believing that humans, their existence is threatened. I mean, you know, the climate is changing. In a thousand years ago, they were running cows and growing barley in Greenland. It, it's going towards a state where they could do that again. Humanity didn't all die then. And, you know, if NASA says that although, you know, temperatures increased over the last 50 years, the rate of floods, the rate of fires, et cetera, has not increased. And if you look at, yeah, heat waves in the 1930s were worse than now. So, yeah, it, it, the climate is changing. It does. But we're not all going to die. And, you know, we used to have bubonic plague and stuff like that that would kill, you know, the Black Death killed a third of the people in the Middle Ages. That was because they didn't have antibiotics. Yeah. Bubonic plague is not a problem now because it's, it's a bacterial disease and you use antibiotics and it's fine. You know, the, the, the Spanish flu killed 1% or 2% of the human population, perhaps. Part of that was, or a large part of that was because they didn't have antibiotics and old people died of secondary infections and some kids and now we have antibiotics and flus, nothing like it was then. Since, since the Spanish flu, there has not been a serious pandemic. You know, COVID killed people at an average age of about 83. And it was about 1.5 in every thousand people. So it is not, you know, we haven't had one for 100 years. Why are we suddenly on the brink of all dying? You know, why are we worried about disease X as they're pushing now? Well, the don't they have a regime to actually threaten us? Don't they have a regime, planned regime, to go out and actually find diseases? Well, they do. Yeah, this is the so you can keep it coming, response. right? Yeah, yeah. That there, there's a and countries once they sign up to the amendments in national health regulations will be obligated to do this. They have to set up a very large surveillance network, which will be monitored every two years in a mechanism that WHO is putting together to check they're doing it thoroughly enough. And they'll have to report any viral variants, et cetera. And one person at the WHO, the Director General, will decide whether that's enough of a risk, potential risk, that he can declare a, a, a public health emergency of international concern under which in the treaty and the health regulations, he will be able to demand um, essentially you know, 
border closures, um, mandatory vaccination, and they're developing a hundred a mechanism for a hundred day vaccine. So in three months they can have the vaccine. Mandatory vaccination, confinement of people um, through quarantine, etc., whether they're healthy or not. And the countries who've signed on will will have undertaken to follow his advice. So this is what we're signing up for, and this is why we have this One Health Agenda, because this will allow essentially this takeover of democracy. There there won't be a democracy under this. The basic tenets of democracy and the basic tenets of public health, which is community control, you don't, you know, as Donald Henderson, the person who led the smallpox eradication, said you don't sow fear in the population, you keep them honestly informed they have to mm-hmm. be part of the decision-making. Well, that's all being thrown away, and this all corporate authoritarian approach to public health will take over, and One Health will allow that to essentially infiltrate almost every part of society. And being global, because it's global, right? I mean, how far... Is that away from the one world global government? I mean, I don't want to sound woo-woo, but it kind of the arrow points in that direction because with with this architecture, you can you, you can almost be a government controlling a global population. Yeah, you can, and we saw a lot of that during COVID, didn't we? So, um, yeah. The, it was decided that you couldn't go and visit your relatives who were dying in another country, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, the, uh, this is where it's difficult and this is where people have trouble grasping what's going on, I think, because once you say one world government or one of these sort of things, then people turn off because they think or they've been told that this is a conspiracy theory and they, you know, they, they will be associated with, you know, far right, et cetera, et cetera. So it's difficult. It becomes difficult to talk about. But, you know, you have – and it's not like the UN or the WHO are sitting around saying, let's take over the world, this is how we'll do it. They are being used. I mean, they're tools. They're being used. But if you go to the World Economic Forum and, you know, the Bank of International Settlements pushing – central bank digital currency, et cetera, programmable currencies, et cetera. They are very clear on this. You know, the, the, the Agenda 2030, as it's called now, the idea that you that people should own less, they should be renting and not, you know, not owning, you know, land, cars, et cetera, that um, they will you know, be far less travel, far less air travel, et cetera, you know, we're seeing 15-minute cities brought in, et cetera. None of this is going to referendums. None of this is part of no, anyone's election. No, they're not asking any of the citizens. No, it's never in an never. election campaign, yeah? So, I mean, this is happening, and it's there is an agenda. It's called Agenda 2030. The UN is pushing this very hard. The World Economic Forum is pushing it very hard. It's a great thing to save humanity from all these existential threats that they're talking about. You know, it's happening, Um in in 2019, you know, we wouldn't have believed that a government could just say, "No way." Yeah, you know, everyone will wear masks. Everyone will stay home. You won't work anymore if you don't get a vaccine. You can't go to a restaurant. You can't go to work. Yeah, you know, a vaccine for a virus that kills people an average age of 83, and, and or that a government can say, you know, we are your one source of truth. Yeah, 
I mean, that's it's completely all worthy. You would have been laughed and out of the room. You would have, you would been, have been laughed out of the weirdo room. weirdo conspiracy. Yeah. You would have been the conspiracy theorist, yeah. yes. But it happened, and it's it's it hasn't gone away. People think COVID's gone away, but fine. But the this whole agenda is going forward in leaps and bounds within well, the UN, within the World Economic Forum. It's, it's interesting timing here because uh, I'll get your view on this. See if there's a you think it's connected. Here in New Zealand, um, there is a um, a new report which has just gone public, though not being reported by mainstream media. I have to say from an expert working group on managed retreat. Have you heard this term, managed retreat? No. no. Okay. Um, So what it is, the the report recommends brutal new state powers to force people from their land in the name of climate change adaptation. And it will give very strong powers to force land sales, acquire land, uh, to to retire land uh, from use, i.e. farms, etc. Cancellation of titles, uh, powers to red sticker, powers to cancel and nullify resource consents for the use of that land. So this is happening, and it includes animal species as well. So this is happening as this one health thing is happening as well. And it kind of sounds like, you know, it's the, it's, it's the peace parts being put in place as if this system was operating for a local application of it. Do, yeah, and what you're saying is happening in Holland at the moment, in the Netherlands. Um, they're trying to reduce farms by 30%, and there's a very strong push by the government to do this. It's happening in Ireland at the moment as well. They're just Okay, so you see, species. there's a pattern, right? There's a, the, yeah, there, there's, there's a very global... much a pattern, and that comes back to, I mean, this is a World Economic Forum policy, et cetera. It's part of this Agenda 2030, and we have in our countries career politicians now who, and, you know, they they go to the World Economic Forum every year. They are very close to large financial organisations because that's how you get elected. They, you know, things like the Trilateral Commission, et cetera, they do exist there. These, you know, the things we used to thought are conspiracy organisations. Yeah, the Trilateral Commission is a very powerful grouping of, you know, senior politicians and business people from the West who meet and who have you know, they're very much behind this whole agenda. Um, you know, the Atlantic Council, et cetera. So they're, they're beyond our democratic governments, there are these very strong forums that are very clear and very much aligned around this agenda. And, you know, what this is doing, obviously, is concentrating wealth in the hands of these people. Is that what it's all about? Um, what else would it be about? Well, I, there, there, I, I assume there's a certain, you know, um, I guess uh, fetish that people might have for actually controlling the lives of people. Like, yeah, you, know, you so, will go there and yeah. you go there, and I get some kind of kick out of that being able to control it. But then there's the other of having all the resources, all the money, all the power, or power comes into the control. Yeah, part of it. exactly. I think they're interrelated, aren't they? So power is a form of wealth, and. Um, it, it is concentrating power and wealth within a very few hands. It happened through COVID. It's happening now. And, um, yeah, as we said, the, the, the people on the top of this, they're not, I'm sure they haven't stopped eating beef. And they, they, they're not certainly not stopping flying around their corporate jets. Their, you know, corporate jet sales are booming. They, they didn't lock themselves down during COVID. They didn't wear masks during COVID. You know, Did there's they all even these take pictures the of him. 
Do they even take the vax? I have no idea. No, but, um, you know. Yeah, who knows? If they uh, if they know more I mean, than I, we do, then maybe they didn't. Okay. I guess some do, some didn't. And I don't think, you know, it's not like they're all completely aligned on everything. There's an opportunity here and people jump onto an opportunity. You know, people in my profession are jumping on this bandwagon because there are huge career prospects if you get on the pandemic preparedness. Well, that's greed. That's agenda. greed, isn't it? Well, it's greed. It, it's it's partly greed, but it's also sort of self-preservation as well. You know, if you've got a family and you need an income, you don't want to be out of a job and your career prospects poison. So yeah. we're all human. And, and these people are used, as they always are, in this way. So you take over the WHO through funding, then, you know, people can leave, but it's gonna it's not going to be good for their you know, they're going to lose huge in salary and education benefits for their kids in healthcare, et cetera, et cetera. They'll have to change countries. It's it's not easy. So, What about the conscience, it, though? Yeah, well, of course. Um, and I, I think there are people in these organisations who are working to try to stop this. And, you know, we've seen very good reports out of groups like UNICEF who are part of this, who uh, detailing the harms that are being done by COVID lockdowns, et cetera, which are really yeah. valuable. So it's not like everyone is is nasty. You know, you, you have people who are trying to do the right thing. You have people who leave because they think it's all wrong. You have people who can't figure out what's going on and just don't want to look there. And you have people who are totally aware but don't really care. They just, you know, they're they're fully on board with what's happening, and it's hard to know, you know, the proportions of those in these organisations. But clearly, the organisations are being used in a different way than most of these people joined up for. Yeah. Okay. So, in terms of likelihood of implementation, let's say, because you you kind of know the back end of this. In, in your experience, what you've been doing in your professional life, at least, um, you know, the, the mechanisms seem to be slowly but surely being put in place. There's a lot of push to have this happen. People are having trouble believing that, that their local politicians have suspended their pride in their country, their um, patriotism, which you would expect them to have. All that's kind of being suspended. They're buying in. Um. Not is all this of them. An, is, is most this, of them, well, yeah. but most of them. Is this yeah. inevitable? Is, are we looking at an inevitability here? Well, just trying to be real, you know. Yeah, yeah. In a way, we are, aren't we? I mean, greed is inevitable. Humans tend to be greedy, and this is, yeah, it's not the first time that we've seen this sort of feudal approach to society. This is the norm if you look back through human history, probably. Yeah, open democracies are pretty. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Very idea. good point. Yeah. So I think we sort of, yeah, since the Second World War, particularly, yeah, we had this sort of human rights really important as a reaction to what happened in the concentration camps in Germany, particularly. Um, but that's worn off now. We're two generations or three away from that. People have forgotten what fascism is, and so there's fascism growing all around them, and they are they're just pretending that it's all for the common good, which is exactly what European fascists said and exactly what the technocracy movement in the North America said at the time. Through through the medical system, 
really. They well, did. They used the public health system very strongly. Yeah. yeah. John Hopkins School of Public Health started off on eugenics. You know, this was mainstream okay. in the 1920s and 30s. So, so uh, I think yeah, it's inevitable that I think that the international health regulations will be amended to give the WHO on paper this very strong power over countries. So I think it's the treaty will go through with it supports it. We're going to see, well, we have already seen, but we're going to see continuing this huge shift in resources in taxpayer money in the billion, tens of billions from yeah, stuff that matters to the average person to this sort of disease X slash pandemic preparedness sort of thing. And it'll be, you know, there's a grain of truth in all of this. Diseases, viruses are real, you know, climates do change. So they, they can use that grain of truth to justify it. So, and the, the propaganda and the cancelling of people, et cetera, will make it very hard to, for people to understand what's really happening or what the real risk is. So I think that will happen. But whether they end up with everyone just renting their houses, you know, renting their houses and renting their cars, et cetera, et cetera, and that is going to happen to a large extent, I think. But, you know, I don't think it will go all the way because I don't think humans in the end are just going to put up with it. But So we could be um, looking at some sort of epic confrontation somewhere or in multiple places, maybe. Uh, it could come to that, right? I mean, it could. It could. Let's hope not. You know, no, I, no, no one hopes for. That. Uh, I mean, we're in a situation where democracy is clearly being subverted it's by teetering, right? very powerful, by very powerful people with huge financial resources, so they can get what they want, which is not to have democracy. Yeah. Or people in democratic countries can push back and say, "No, we're not going to have this," and you hope that that can just be done. Um, and that politicians will see that, you know, their bread's buttered more on the side of the electorate than the people that they meet at the World Economic Forum in Davos every year. So, which you know, we'll see which way all this goes, I guess. I mean, from a public health point of view, you know, public health has gone from we should be giving advice to communities so they can make good decisions to we should be telling communities what to do. And um, disinfecting the world, kind of trying to stamp out every possible thing that could ever. I mean, it, it's yeah, it, it's an obsession. It's, well, it's it, an that's obsession, the motivation. But, it's crazy. It, you can never well, get it for a start. It's crazy. And you can only do that if you throw out the basic tenets of public health, which you know, understands that everything has a risk and a benefit. So, you know, lockdowns is pretty clear now. Cause, you know, we'll lose more life years globally from lockdowns by far than we will have saved by stopping a few people, if it stopped anyone, from dying from the SARS-CoV-2 virus. So, you know, that was obvious from the beginning. Um, it's just, you know, because of the measures that they did, if you impoverish people, they die younger. But we went ahead and did it. Now it's becoming very clear that that's the case. So, um, you know, th th these are really basic common sense things in public health that have been pushed aside, I think, because just the money is there in pushing them aside. If you question and you, you stick to orthodoxy, like, you know, the Great Barrington Declaration was just orthodox public health. 
then you, you get vilified and scapegoated and so on. So people don't want that. Well, I, I know that YouTube have changed their AI because I was talking to someone who was in the know just a day or two ago about it. And uh, the COVID warnings that you kind of saw with every posting that had anything to do with it are going to be replaced with warnings covering the entire sort of ecosystem of health. Yes. So yeah, you know, and, that, yeah. get, here we go. It's good to get that in place. Get ready. That's another piece of the, the puzzle put in. You know? yeah, it's anything which opposes, which is contrary to the World Health Organization's that's, that's right. advice. Yeah. Well, which is pretty, pretty amazing. I mean, having been in the World Health Organization and, you know, sometimes you'd sit there behind the desk and you'd write some stuff because someone needed to write it. And to, to think that no one is allowed to oppose that anymore is pretty amazing. You know, the, the, we have the WHO saying remdesivir is a bad idea for COVID. We have the CDC saying it should be used for COVID. You know, yeah. Which of those... So uh, you're in a dilemma because whatever you say about remdesivir on YouTube, you'll be cancelled. Uh, you know, frontal lobotomy, someone got the Nobel Prize for frontal they lobotomies. Did. yeah. So if you opposed frontal lobotomies at the time, I guess you would have been cancelled off YouTube. You know, this is, if you said natural immunity is better than vaccine at getting rid of COVID, you would have been cancelled off YouTube. But the CDC has a study out clearly <laughs> showing that that is the case. You know, this is this is nothing to do with science. You, you cannot do science this way. Science absolutely and public well, health absolutely relies on questioning. It's absolutely anti-science. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a fascist way of it's a fascist way of running society. If you and were to YouTube is supporting fascism, it's absolutely undeniable. If you were to hit the 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 world with another pandemic, what would you choose? I mean, we're all anticipating it could be something you know coming again. What what would be the um, the choice? Do you think? From a public health point of view, I'd choose something that's incredibly innocuous and didn't hurt anyone. Um, right. If I was trying to make lots and lots of money, I don't think it matters. You, you don't want something too bad because then you might sort of really get some chaos. So overcook something. It. You could overcook it, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you'd pick something pretty much like the coronavirus. Yeah. You know, Another so, so coronavirus, it, maybe. Because because you, if you have YouTube, you have the mass media, you have the WHO and so on all lined up to do your bidding essentially, then it doesn't need to be a bad threat. It, you, you can lock people down anyway. Then you can bring out your 100-day vaccine. You can mandate vaccination. You can make hundreds of billions of dollars by vaccinating everyone on Earth. And it's done. Yeah. And Till the next and one. <laughs> Till the next one. And you don't have to worry about regulatory procedures, et cetera, because that's being managed. You know, they're fast-tracking all this for their 100-day vaccine. So, you, and, you know, it's clear that you don't have to worry too much about side effects. And, again, like any medicine, uh, you know, COVID vaccinating or has risks and benefits. But if you can censor the media, you don't have to worry about the risks unless they're so bad that, you know, people are dropping dead in the street everywhere. And even then, perhaps you can blame it on the virus. So, you know, if we allow this to go forward, we're not going to be in a position to to know what's going on. You'd have to link it to the climate, though, somehow, wouldn't you? That would be ideal. To, so then you can say, see, see, we told you, see. 
and have that yeah. kind of reinforcing angle to it too. Yeah, something mosquito born or something. Or too much vitamin D. <laughs> you got to stay inside, stay away from the sun. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds sort of weird, doesn't it? But, it, I mean, this is essentially what disease X is. If you look historically, there is no expected disease X because we have antibiotics for the serious bacterial pathogen outbreaks. And in 100 years, we haven't had a, a really severe viral one. So disease X is so rare and unlikely, it's like an asteroid destroying the Earth. Like it's, planet X. Yeah, it's not something that you sink tens of billions of dollars into. Yeah, we, we put three and a half billion in a year in the whole world into malaria that kills over 600,000 kids getting worse now every year. Gee, yeah. Yeah, one and a half million people die of tuberculosis. We put something similar in. We're talking about multiple, yeah, several fold more than that for disease X, for pandemic preparedness, for a threat that we haven't seen in 100 years. Wow. Okay. Anything more to say about One Health, Dr. David Bell? Uh, well, really, just there's, there's nothing wrong with the concept of One Health but there's yeah. something wrong with the concept of subverting it and subverting its meaning in order to um, take wealth from other people. Um, and, you know, the, the public health community knows this, so they should actually, they need to start standing up and just, just speaking the truth, you know, sticking to risks and benefits and proportions and talking openly about it, so... Okay. All right. Well, great to have you on RCR again. Thanks for coming on. I'm sure it probably won't be the last time. There'll be, there'll be, you know, incremental developments regarding this along the way. I'm sure. It's not going to stop tomorrow, unfortunately. They never stop, right? They never. But, stop. but life goes on. The sun shining where I am. So. Yes, and same, same here. But I'm, yeah. I'm sort of scared to go out in case I pick something up or, or it does something to me. Yeah, it's 100 degrees here, which used to be, the, you know, you go down the beach because it's 100 this Fahrenheit, obviously. Yeah. Um, what, 30, 38, 39 Celsius? Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. Yeah, good, good beach weather, but now it's a threat to life and we're told to stay indoors. Yeah. It's pretty weird. Oh, dear. Okay, Dr. David Bell, thanks for coming uh, on our radio station again. Thanks. Thanks, Paul. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.